episode 200 200 well it's actually it's kind of like a that's like a a skewed episode number because we've had like you know special editions or you know a draft edition that we didn't we didn't number or whatever but anyway it's an official episode 200 so what do you want to talk about you you you're like fixated on the bills well how are you not you know i i i know there's going to be a lot of um bills talk today i just want to talk and just i mean it is i mean there's there's a lot of teary eyes when you sit there and you talk about the human side of sports such a such a difficult time you know last week with what happened to Damar Hamlin and now to sit here on for me by myself watching watching um you know with 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 my kids watching the football game and every couple minutes reading a Damar Hamlin tweet knowing that he is doing better knowing that he is coherent and he's up and he's getting better every single day with his family around him it just to me it gives me chills it 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 it's just such a, an incredible incredible situation um and i'm just so happy for for demar his family um and and the bills organization such such a a heart uh, wrenching situation that um I'm just so happy that things things of uh are are clearly getting better for Demar and it was such so awesome reading his tweets during the the football game it was one of the best games I watched all year just because I was waiting for those tweets to come out and uh it was awesome. Well, I'm That's just curious it. to see what where this where if anywhere that the uh that this can take them you know what i mean because sometimes things like this affect teams differently so i was i tuned into that game yesterday yeah just more interested about how the team was going to respond after such a you know tragic moment you know the whole week has been shifted in terms of practice and preparation for games because certain players were still in cincinnati and then came back so it's like you you never know how these things are going to how they're going to affect it, uh you know a team going forward especially at a crucial time like this like the last game of the season going into the playoffs so i mean it's yeah it'd be interesting to see how the bills handle it if it becomes like a galvanizing moment you know as as strong as super bowl favorites as they as they have been all year they've played very well i've obviously read some of their criticisms i don't know enough to actually have any critique of my own but i uh i do understand pro sports and i do understand athletes uh, as I know you do too, but I'm just about you for myself here. This team has a ton of excuses for things to not work out. You know, with Von Miller's injury, Dawson Knox's uh, brother at the start of the year, uh, their owner uh, is mysteriously uh, ill, uh, missing, and actually referenced on the TV the other day. They were talking about, they showed Terry Pagula and talking about uh, Kim Pagula's comeback. So, you know, whatever that means, they've been very... Uh, tight li- uh, put a tight lid on that and then you have you and know, i the- should be right i mean well, of it's course, none of our a, damn business that's a private medical on. situation absolutely I, yeah I'm, I'm i'm i just thought it was crazy that one day circling around social media here in buffalo that you know there's rumors going around that she died i mean I, yeah, anyway I just i i, I, I can't I, mean, I can't even believe that 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 kind of shit happens such 
bad misinformation, but that's besides the point. And then they have, yeah. you know, the Damar Hamlin incident. When you sit and you look and you think there are enough excuses for this team to fold the tent and go home. Or there, or, or, or what, what you're going to say, go ahead, no, go ahead take, or take what? it home, bud. No, I just, or they, it, it, it brings a team together and they go out and have some magical run without some of their best players like uh, Vaughn Miller and, and other guys that are hurt or will be hurt heading down the stretch. Cause it's impossible for guys to stay healthy. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and I think the city and the fans have a huge part of that too. They play a huge role in that. And the players can feel uh, an obligation to a fan base that is so rabid and big and loyal, you know? So I, I mean, loyalty is, is, is the major word here. I think when you, when you think of the Buffalo bills, when you think of, uh, you know, the bills mafia and, and it, it, this, this entire, you know, organization, the fan base, it's, they're just so loyal. And, um, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of hard times in the last number of decades. There's been some hard times for sure, but, uh, the loyalty with this fan base is just, um, second to none. And I'm happy. I'm happy for, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm happy for, you know, I'm happy for the bills fan base. I'm happy for the Buffalo bills. Um, and, uh, you know, when you have this emotional tie and, and you named a number of these things, they can really galvanize and boost a team. And, um, the bills are going to be tough. They're going to be tough to beat. They're going to have some real tough matchups, but, uh, you know, with what, with what we've seen from the leadership, starting with the leadership, starting with Brennan Bean, um, and, and, and Sean McDermott the leadership of this organization i just think it's it's it it can't get much better and and i and i believe in josh allen and i believe in in stefan diggs and i believe in all of these players i really do and uh, we'll see where this takes uh takes this bills team all i know is it's been super exciting i'm happy for them i'm happy super happy for uh um Damar Hamlin, that he is better and and getting better and uh, take it day by day. But it was an awesome, awesome game to watch. And I know I don't want to, we don't want to sit here and talk bills all day because there's going to be a lot of bills talk, but I just wanted to mention that. It's just so happy uh, for this organization. Well, it seems and, to be the biggest um, story in sports, right? The the last, yeah. the last week with the NFL. Uh, yeah. You know, with what we're talking about, though, with with the Bills, can also be said for the Sabers. If you watched the game the other night, and I, I, the fans, with a couple minutes left in the game, just went into a a, a random standing ovation at a five five score. Rasmus Dahlin five points the other night. You know, they 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 just stood up and they just absolutely let the players know with a with an unbelievable volume. How they felt about this team? How they felt about? When's the last they time you've heard that, Petey? When's uh, the last time you've heard March that March, that March tenth, March tenth, twenty twenty two? Not to not to throw an exact date out there or anything. Jack's return, but I mean, it, you know, yeah. But the but, building still wasn't full when Jack's. Oh, returned. it wasn't. Remember that it wasn't. That these young players, like Dylan Cousins, been this is his third year in the NHL. 
It's his third year playing for the Sabres. His first year was COVID year. Okay. He didn't have any, any fans. And then the second year, sparing amount of fans, sparing. They were one of the lowest attendance in the league, which is very odd for, for Saberland because Sabres have some of the best fans, some of the, one of the greatest fan bases, I believe in the NHL. But let me tell you, we're 37 games, I think into the season. And I don't think there's been a game this entire year that was like the last game against Minnesota. The fans are seeing, okay, they're seeing what what Kevin Adams had in his mind, putting together, allowing a young group to develop and 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 become something great. And we're starting to see this team makes strides where at the start of the year, when they remember when we were on that eight game losing streak and the sky was falling and, you know, things needed to change. Players needed to be sent down. Players needed to be traded. There needs to be movement. There need. And Kevin Adams stuck to his, his, his guns. He stuck to his vision. He's allowed this team to go through the, the, the road bumps, but you watch this team right now. Tell me, tell me, there's not, I, I believe that this team can beat any team in the, in, in the, in the NHL right now. Tell me that this team's not going to make the playoffs. Like at the start of the year, at the start of the year, what did we ask for? We asked for this team to be, I would say we asked for it, but we were wanting this team to be four or five points out of a playoff spot. At the end of the year, at the end of the year, 82, 82nd yeah. game, you're four or five points out of a playoff spot. Yep. Right now, right now with where they sit, you're not going to convince me that they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm sorry. With the way they're playing, I know people question their goaltending. I know they need pieces, and I know we're going to talk about that. And you but question I- the goaltending right now with uh, Uka Pekalukinen? Who's questioning the goaltending? I mean, I think there's still a huge question mark of uncertainty. I think you might get spurts of of good goaltending, but but all I'm saying is it nothing is um, proven yet. You know, like we don't. It's not like we have a guy that we know has gone through this this run last year and has played some important games. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a it's a question mark. The goaltending is a question mark. Is it going to be enough to get you where you need to go? That's that's the biggest area, not of concern, just the biggest question mark. If they can yeah. sustain what they're doing, they are going to give this team a massive chance to make a push and potentially make the playoffs for the first time in a dozen years. Well, the team's eight and two in their last 10 games. They look like they're the real deal. They have played so well. Okay, even with a couple of injuries that were still out. Um this team is finding ways to be super ent- entertaining to watch, but you're also you're also seeing the growth of certain players that you know an organization waits for. They need to wait for the development of these young players. Rasmus Dahlin right now. <laughs> I mean, 
we, we talked about him a month ago. We talked about him a month ago and we, we talked about, you know, where with, with the way that he's playing the minutes that he's eating, he's on your number one power play. He's killing penalties. He's playing against the other team's top lines. He's also producing a tremendous amount of points. I think he's second in goals with 12 behind Eric Carlson, who has 14. Um, He's got 44 points right now, Petey. I, I, I think he's at 44 or 43 points. Um, he, he right now has to be, has to be in the top one or two in the Norris trophy. And this is, I know he's it's only one. half a season. Stop. Is, it, is he number one? Is he number one? Yeah, absolutely. He's number one. He's number one, in my opinion, not by a long shot, yeah, no, no, but we're not but talking he's number one. Opinion. In my opinion, he's number one. In Andrew Peters' opinion, he is number one. I'm talking about you need to break the barrier. So the Sabres going into this season, they had a decade of shit hockey. The fan base watched horrendously bad hockey. We don't even, we didn't even know what good hockey was. Like we can't even remember back to 2000, what was it? 2005, 2006 season where you had jury and uh, Briere and Dumont and everybody else. No, we can't, we can't remember that. The hardest thing that the Sabres are going to have to deal with is not just producing wins and points. It's producing respect around the, around the league because they've lost it. They have lost the respect of just, I mean, the media the fan bases the fan bases around the league they've ha- they're going to have to gain that back and it's going to take time it's going to take time to well, gain Well I'm still I'm still a little apprehensive of a full-fledged buy-in I even still I am yes. sorry I can't I, I <laughs> and that's I mean, okay I I see the improvement I see the way they're playing in games I, I understand I see the goals they're scoring all I'm saying is I it's just it's hard to believe it's just hard to believe because it almost seemed like the end was never in sight. I mean, for, for such a bad run of, of losing, you know, and, and it's exhausting. And, well, we and went that's... through a, a rebuild with a Jack Eichel and a Sam Reiner and a wrist line and, and it just didn't work. And Kevin Adams made the greatest decision ever to tear this thing right down and move on from great players. And yes, I can say it. Jack Eichel is a very good player and Sam Reiner is a very good player. They, they decided to, make a really tough decision this rebuild is not working we need to start over it needs to be fresh they need to build the proper environment with the proper players that want to be in buffalo that want to wear this jersey well that's They've that's what the difference players. is with that I, I mean that's we, we you open talking about the bills rightfully so but that's what the difference is with the bills it's it's clear as day you have players that actually want to play here when you can go and acquire a Von Miller in the off season, that is an unbelievable sign. Okay. And the Sabres were once there before and they're going to get back there. It's, it may not be this year. It may not be next year, but there's going to be a, a, a day where a big time free agent is going to look at Buffalo and say, I'm going to go sign there for four years. Yes. I'm going to go sign there for four years and try and win a cup because the team is actually for real. 
They have the pieces for me to fit around. One of those players could very well be Patrick Kane. I don't know. I'm not speculating. All I'm saying is that's the kind of shit that you need to have happen to this franchise in order to that a move like that alone is enough to to absolutely get fans to buy all the way back in. Because when you can get star players from around the league to buy into an organization or a franchise in a city that they don't quite frankly want to go play in because they don't understand it yet. Right. You don't understand it. You don't get it until you play here. And not even that you have to have success in markets like this. Von Miller's not coming to Buffalo. If the bills are, are a fringe team, he's just not, you have to be good in order for those players to want to come here. They'll come here. And then once they get here, they're going to experience and understand how much they're going to love it here and why players like us and many players before us and lots after us are going to come back and live here after because of, yeah. because of the market that it is. So yeah. I just don't know if they're there yet and they are getting there. So but- what, what needs to happen? Like right now, you know, when you, when you watch this team, okay. They've beaten Boston the number one team in the league. They've beaten the Washington Capitals. They've beaten top teams and they're starting to, to make a push. We talked, you, you had uh, talked about this morning before we were on about the playoffs. And I mean, we were talking about the playoffs, like or I, we weren't, but there were some people talking about the playoffs 10 games into the season. Okay. Sabres started really well talking about the playoffs and then they went on an eight, eight game stinker. Okay. They've rebounded. They found a way to rebound. I'm going to throw the praise back at this man that I don't think gets enough love. That's Don Granato. He has done a really nice job to galvanize this young group, to make sure they stay the course, to make sure they're focused. And this team has played incredible hockey the last number, what, the last month, month and a half. They're on an eight, uh, eight and two in, in the last 10 games. Their, their, their goal differential is a plus 22. Yeah, I know. They have one of the best scores in the league right now in Tage Thompson sitting, I think, fourth in, in points. Who, by they the way, one of the best defensemen in the league right now in Rasmus Dahlin. Who, by the way, Tage Thompson, I know we've said it before. If this team limps into the playoffs, if he doesn't win the Hart Trophy, it's a fucking shame. Well, listen, if he does not cool down, and I'm not saying he has to have four-point games multiple times. I'm saying if he ends this season with 100 points or more, 95 points or more, and this team makes the playoffs, and he does not, I'm not talking a heart bid. I'm talking win the heart trophy, then this league is a complete shit show. I don't care what McDavid's doing in Edmonton. Tage Thompson doesn't have Leon Dreisaitl. No offense, Jeff Skinner. No offense, Alex Tuck. No offense, Dylan Cousins. He doesn't have a Leon Dreisaitl. Sorry. He absolutely does not. You take Tage Thompson off this team, this team is absolutely screwed. Well, what happens if you take 
Connor McDavid off of Edmonton. Like they're sitting in a wild card. Number two scorer in the league. And and I don't think just because one has, the other has. Like I think Leon Dreisaitl can, can, can absolutely lead a team on his own. I believe that. They still have an MVP candidate in Leon Dreisaitl, period. Yeah. I don't think Dreisaitl's Dreisaitl because of McDavid. He's a third overall pick. So I, I, I can, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to uh, dig in on this one and, and, and make this uh, a debate because there's nothing to debate. I, I, I believe that you're, you're right. The only thing I will say is this. Cage Thompson, 56 points, 31 goals. He's played th- uh, 37 games. He has got a lifetime of hockey. He has only played 37 games right now. I will 100% agree with you that Tage Thompson right now should be in the, in the heart discussion with what he's doing for this, for this hockey team. If, if you were to take Tage Thompson off this hockey team, I have no idea where this team would be. It would be a bottom five team in the league. That speaks volumes. What's yes. the, what's the definition of the Hart Trophy? Most valuable player to Most his team. Most valuable player to his team, not I the league. Yes, I can't. I can't argue with that. So I agree with you. I agree with you with what Tage Thompson's done right now. Listen, what Jeff Skinner has done right now. That young man. I shouldn't call him a young man. He's. I think he's thirty now, but he's young to me. He's played some freaking pretty good hockey. Sit there and rag on his $9 million salary, this, that, and the other. Let me tell you something. He has played some really, really good hockey. He has made a lot of plays that has made that top line what it is. Jeff Skinner is a big part of that line. Yes, I will give him, I will give him the, the kudos, the pat on the back. He deserves it. He has played tremendous hockey Alex Tuck I mean Alex Tuck is I was just about to say Alex Tuck is is um like he's having himself a year he's having himself a breakout year here's the thing this is what I would expect from Alex Tuck this is this is his game like I don't even want to pat him on the back and say hey you're having this super amazing no I, I, I don't even want to say that because I think Alex Tuck is an absolute monster. I think he is an absolute monster in, in the way that he plays the game, his size and speed and skill set. He is truly exactly what the Buffalo Sabres needed to start to turn this organization around. And he's a big, he's a big part of that. Can I ask you one thing? I'm dying for you to ask me a question. So you you just you alluded to, you know, the Sabres are in a playoff discussion. Now they need to win games. They're they're four games. Uh, they have four games in hand on the Islanders. Islanders. They have two on Pittsburgh. Yes. They're not catching and, their division. And they're four not- on the Rangers. Yeah, they're not catching their it's going to be a wild card spot that they get. I listen, don't don't right now say that their division is out of 
is out of Tampa Bay is going to ramp it up and they're they're already in third in their division. They're they're geared for this. Tampa Bay doesn't ramp things up. What Tampa no. Bay is they're consistent in the way that they play. They still have elite game breakers in the Stamkos and the points and the Kucherovs and the Headmans. They had a slow and, start last couple Vasilevsky's. years and they and they rev it up toward the end of the year. Like they just go in. But and, there's no there's no panic with them, right? They just right. play the same way. Right. To say right now that a top three in that Atlantic division is not up for grabs, I don't think that that is the case. Now, listen. I mean, Sabres are going to have to play like a big boy hockey team to entertain that. But right now, they're one point be they're one game behind Tampa Bay, and they're seven points behind them. If they win their next game, they're five points behind Tampa Bay. Good that man. is clearly not out of the uh, a top division spot. Well, let me let me say this to you. You said something to me a long time ago when you were playing in San Jose. You remember being on a plane and just like flying and you're looking at the schedule and you're like, I don't think we're going to lose a game this month. And you might lose a few games that month because guy might get dinged up, couple bad goals, team just shows up and plays, you know, as you would say exceptionally well and beats a a monster San Jose Sharks team. Before the Christmas break, we looked at the Sabre schedule, and there were some games that made us a little nervous. We said Detroit was a must-win. Boston made us nervous. We expected that to be a loss. Ottawa is playing well, and I think they're starting to be a little more of what we thought they might be when they made all those changes. So, you know, that was a was a fine hockey game. I mean, whatever. You lost to a team that you're you're competing with for, for that, uh, that spot in the standings. You beat Washington. You beat Minnesota. And then I look forward. I'm like, Philly doesn't scare me. Seattle doesn't scare me. Winnipeg doesn't scare me. Seattle should scare you. Winnipeg should scare you. Oh, shit. No, no. That's see. It's amazing. Now are are the, the mindsets are reversed. How are you saying that they should scare you? I don't think there's a team that this team can look at right now and say, we can't win that game. Seattle doesn't. I agree with vision blows. The Pacific Division blows, and I'm not saying that Seattle's a pushover. All I'm saying is Seattle has 22 wins this year and 12 losses. They have 48 points. They're they are not a pushover hockey team. I didn't say okay. they were a pushover. Winnipeg hockey team. All I said one was of the they best teams in the West. Okay, None they don't these... they don't scare me though anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, why? Because I actually think there's a hockey team here in Buffalo. Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. When you look at the schedule, do you remember when we were looking at the schedule like a month and a half ago and we went over the next 10 games and I literally was holding my head going, this could be a go, gaunt, this could be a bad gauntlet two, two and eight. Yeah. Because I don't think that we can beat any one of these teams. So now a month and a half later, you're looking at the Sabres right now. The Sabres are the second hottest team in the NHL. Behind Boston, who they beat in overtime, okay? Boston is 8-0-2. The Buffalo Sabres are the second hottest team in the league at 8-2. and two. When I look at the schedule right now, there's teams that you have to respect because they've played great hockey this year. 
but there are your your mindset is so much different when you're playing great hockey and this Sabres team is playing great hockey they're elite they're top players every single night are producing and when you when you're getting great goaltending Uka Pekalukkanen has been absolutely fantastic and that's another conversation that we're going to have to have because what the hell do the Sabres do they have to send down a goaltender they have to but how can you at this point in time when ultimately Kevin Adams and his staff is thinking to himself we need to allow Ukapekalukanen time to develop that's what they've done the last number of years okay he's had stints up and down with the Sabres he's played some good hockey some mediocre hockey and right now well the question is and right now what finish that cuz i have a question well, the, it's what do you do well you, here's my answer is the future is the future eric comrie no no offense eric comrie is the future craig anderson well how far down the road are you going to go he's 41 okay your future is in three players in net it's ukapeka lukanen it's uh portillo who probably will not be here and devin levi those are your those are that's your future and second round pick mutant that they they picked in last year's that draft. doesn't he he is irrelevant right now he's five he's five years away he's irrelevant Minimum. right now he's uka pekalukin and when he was first drafted okay and how many years has that been so he's he's far enough away that we don't even have to worry about him yep that's your future net those three guys so whatever your decision is if Uka Pekalukanen, if you think that he can play at a level that can win you games and he can slowly start to develop a mentality that he is a becoming a number one goaltender, then you have to keep him and you have to let him ride it out until he can't handle the truth anymore. That's when you that's when you decide to move him back to Rochester. In my opinion, it's like well, your opinion is correct. I'm going to tell you something right now. You don't change a lineup. You don't change an environment no. that is playing like they are right now. You do not make a tough decision and have to bring up a, a, a goaltender in Comrie that right now, you know, might, even though I think Comrie is a really solid goaltender, I'm, I, I don't think that we've seen enough sample size of him. He's going to get the shaft. Comrie is going. Comrie's going to, and and I don't, I I don't mean it like in a in a uh, like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for in a in a malicious way. I just mean he's going to get the shaft, the numbers way, like like as pro sports always lead down that path. But you can't move anybody. Because the problem is, if you make the playoffs, how many times have we seen down the road or in the past that goaltenders are the difference? Like, you might have to roll through three goaltenders in the playoffs these days, right? So you can't yeah. be you can't be shipping him out. But unfortunately, Comrie, Comrie was here as like, God, I don't, I mean, he was here as like, a, let's see what he's made of. Could he be? Could he take a number one spot, but also at the same time, kind of be like a stopgap in case Ukapeka Lukanen wasn't working out or Malcolm Subban, if he had to come in and play and he couldn't work out, Omri was here for that, that reason to kind of fill in for uh, Craig Anderson when he couldn't go, if these young kids weren't ready. 
But now, what are the odds of Ukapelka and being sent down? In your in your in your thought with with what you've seen, for clarification, and, does he need to clear waivers? No, he doesn't, does he? I would say no. If he but does, they're not sending him down. If he does, hundred percent. If he doesn't, then uh, uh, look. You don't I, touch a winning lineup. You do not touch a winning lineup. This team is feeling it right now. Not only are they getting elite, elite offensive output from from Alex Tuck, Thompson, and Skinner. Okay. You watched last game. You watched Minnesota play. You watched the Sabres play. Casey Middlestat made some big, big plays. Okay. Victor Olofsson, love him or hate him, man. The guy scored some timely goals for this team and helped this team win games. You need to have secondary scoring because the as much as Dylan Cousins is still getting it done, he's getting it done mostly on the power play. We, the, the, the kid line who is going to have to continue to forge forward and be dynamic and be, you know, a pain on, on every given night, those young guys need to play. They need to play well. If the Sabres want to have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Okay. The young guys have been a little quiet. Quinn has been a little bit quiet. JJ yeah. Paterka has been a little bit quiet. Now I know there shouldn't be, um, you know, they're, they're both rookies. They're both very, very young players and there shouldn't be that pressure on them. But if this team's going to make the playoffs, those two players in particular, every single night have to be dangerous. They have to add to that danger of that offensive output because Casey Middlestat and and um, and and Tyson uh, Jost and and Olafson they were a big part of that. Why the Sabers won that game? Big big part. Then you have you know you have your studs on on the back end that's just mind boggling. Like Owen Power played 28 and a half minutes. He's 20 years old. He's he's literally a kid. You know that, right? He's just a massive mutant on defense that can skate exceptionally well and has ridiculous um, talent. He's playing 28 minutes a night. Rasmus Dahlin right now. It, I mean, he's he's just playing at the level that we all crossed our fingers that he would get to. And he's there now. If I have this from Rasmus Dahlin for the next 10 years, then we are getting a Norris Trophy candidate for the next 10 years. How is he not going the All-Star game? Cage Thompson. Easy. Are you telling me he can't have more than one player from, from one team? I mean, the guy could win don't the goddamn think Norris can, Trophy. I don't, I don't think he can. I think it's one player from every team, and I think they they hold the uh, ability to add players to the roster. Now, I would be absolutely freaked out if he does not get, if Rasmus Dahlin does not get one of those three league votes 
Can I throw a side conversation in here, please? Can we Shoot. please shit can the All Star Game altogether? See what Tort said about it. Yeah, it's turned into a, a it's a joke. It's a donkey weekend. It's but like listen, I mean, you're, you're asking your players to 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 basically like it's like doing it's the it's like the it's the fucking fashion show in Slapshot. It's the equivalent to that. It's turned into a mockery. It, it's it is, but it sells, Petey. That's I, the thing. You know, it's guys... fine. It sells, but it's like, oh my god, why are we doing this to the players? Like, why is why is Petrangelo coming out with a with a sparkly shirt last year, like a, a shirt that lights up? And like, what do you think these guys want to do that? Well, they they're could, doing it. They're doing it, and and they're doing it because they they have to. They're doing it. They're trying to make it a fun weekend. It is not a competitive weekend. We're not going to have all-stars play against each other and bang each other around. And no, you're going to have, it, it's going to be an enjoyable weekend. They're trying to make it an enjoyable weekend for the players where the players in many, 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 many years go to these uh, all-star games and they don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. They're trying to make it. They're trying to make it where the players actually enjoy going there. Where it's, you know, let your hair down, go and have no a fun one's, weekend. No one's enjoying going there. I don't give a shit what you say. No one wants to go. No one wants to be a part of that shit show. Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson wants to go to the All Star game. No, it's no. I think Tage Thompson wants to be recognized as an All Star. I don't think these guys want to go to the All Star game. There's a big difference. Like you could just Vetchkin might first not team all star. You're a your first team all star. Great. You don't have to go to Vegas. You can have the weekend yeah. off. Give them. Give everybody in the league the weekend off for crying out loud. Yeah. Wants to go to the all star game anyway. I sorry. I well, it's about the I fan just, base. It's about the fan base. It's almost like that's the fan weekend. It's not the player weekend. It's not just about being an all star. It's about this is a major major fan weekend. And there's a lot of young fans, young fans that love that weekend and have the, to have the ability to see the all-stars, the greatest players in the game all in one weekend. There's a lot of people that love it. Now, I've said this to you before. The last 25 years, I think I've watched maybe maybe three tops. The last one I watched was John Scott because... That was just such a mockery of, of, you know, the all-star weekend in general. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was the greatest all-star game that I've watched probably ever because John Scott, as much as he had almost minus zero chance of being there and should have been there, it was the most exciting weekend because he's got incredible personality. He is an incredible, incredible man okay um and he represented himself so well at the all-star game and ripped an absolute missile bar down won the mvp it was just it was just really fun to watch and that's kind of what you want all right enough about the all-star game okay enough about the all-star game i i get it i i, I understand your point i don't really i don't want to sit here and argue about it i think it's i think the all-star game's a joke period that's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters to me anyway. Uh, last thing I'll ask you with the Sabres, then we can talk a couple of things that are I was right about all, uh, otherwise around hockey. Um, 
What's, what are they going to do? Are they going to hold Pat here? Are they going to make a trade? Are they going to go and try to acquire pieces, or is Kevin Adams just going to let them run the run the uh, gauntlet out at the end of the year and, and see how they make out? Because you have some decisions to make. Yeah. Well, there's 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 still lots of discussion with um, you know, the defenseman in in Arizona, uh, Chikrin, Chikrin. Um, that's not I the guess, guy. I, that, I that's guess that's not the guy. It's not the guy that you need. In I agree with you. I agree with you. I would not in a million years ch- uh, trade for uh, Jacob Chikrin. And listen, I, I mean, Jacob Chikrin, since he's come back from his, you know, his, I don't know, 12th injury in his career, where he's basically not played a full season. Um, I would not, he is just not the player that I would be going after. And, uh, you know, I, I ask you this question. Like if, if you were to acquire Jacob Chikrin, Who plays on the second power play? You going to take Jacob Chikrin and put him on the power play instead of Owen Power? No, that's not what you're going to do. You do not want that. You do not want that situation to happen where you are now, you know, taking a, an Owen Power or a Rasmus Dahlin and giving them any less ice time. Because those, those are your horses. Those are your prize stallions and you got to ride them. Okay. You need... Um, a support staff, just like uh, Matias Samuelson right now. I said it at the start of the year. I said it the year before that he is absolutely exactly what this team needs. And he is not an offensive player. He is not going to put up more than probably 10 points a year in, in his entire career. But he is a defender first and he skates very well. And he moves the puck exceptionally well with incredible poise. And he is underestimated. Now, he's not underestimated because people are starting to see that when he's in the lineup, you actually win more games. But we need a player to find a player that is going to play with Owen Power for the next number of years. Because you have your first, you have your first. Uh, unit set with Samuelson and Darlene. They are just, they're breathtaking. They're incredible together. Now you need to find your horse to play with Owen Power. And is, is, is Henry Yoki Haru that player? And, and I, I think that there is, is up for discussion. That look, He's a good player. He's he's fine, but I think you need to upgrade there. I think you need to upgrade okay. somewhere on your defense and a couple. Is there anyone in, in mind that 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 you? Yeah, I told you. I, I I told you not long ago that that there's one guy that I think that would be impossible to get that I think would be a great pickup, and that's uh, Pareko. I don't know if St. Louis Colton would Pareko. Okay. Colton Pareko, you know, that's a guy that I think I would I would like to see. I don't know if he would be available, but to me, it would have to be a right-hand shot. And I think Yoki Harju would be a guy that you would move. What about your cousin, Mackenzie Weger? There's another perfect guy that, I, you know, I know he just signed with Calgary and he's involved in that trade, but that's the kind of defenseman that I think you need to go and get, you know, that exact type of player. 
those four D would be on the ice for the entire game. And that's okay because you, you know, you, you're, you're blessed to have, you know, a top four. If you can find own power, an elite high-end defenseman that just has the skills and the, and the, and the mentality to play big minutes. I mean, that defense core is just, it's going to be probably the number one defense core in the league. If you can find that fourth guy that is, they're going to eat up 25 minutes a night. Like you're eating up 50 minutes of a 60 minute game. Your third pair is going to play 10 minutes and under every single night. And I think they make the playoffs if that's the scenario. Couple subtle little changes right there. I don't. I don't expect any moves. To be quite honest with you, I, I don't expect any moves. I don't know why. It's not that I lack faith. It's that I wonder if if it's even the right thing to do. I don't know what the right thing to do would be. I'm impatient. I want to see them make the playoffs this year. I don't want to see them miss by three points and sit back and say, "Oh, well, you know, what if we didn't, you know, what if we didn't have that eight game losing streak? What if we just won two of those games or three of those games?" You know, what if we had where made a can move you for strengthen the lineup? Well, like where, like where, like you're not your touching the six. top line. You're not touching your bottom, the top no, line. No, you don't have to. That's that's what we're talking about. And then you the just, kid line. When when I say Dylan six. Cousins and Quinn and Paterka, that's not a second line right now. In in very short short time, that's going to be a really really good line, which will take over a second line and push for, for the first. But right now they're kids, even Dylan cousins, who I think has just been, he has exceeded all my expectations this year. He has played so well. Did he make more than Tage Thompson? You think he's a point of game guy right now. If he ends up with 75 or 80 points this year, is Tate Thompson the high the bar thing. for for what players can make on this team? Kevin Adams has lucked out so much with the signing of Tate Thompson. He's ultimately setting a bar. He ultimately set an internal Buffalo Sabres cap. Because right now with the emergence of, of, of Tage Thompson last year. Okay. Kevin Adams had to make a really tough decision after this young man had one year of elite hockey. He had to make a decision. Do I pay him this money or do I let him earn it for one more year? Kevin Adams decided, made a really tough decision, had to give him 50 million plus dollars. Okay. 52 or whatever it is, $52 million for seven years. He had to go above and beyond and take a chance. Kevin Adams did that. Is that Tage? 50 million yes. on the button. 50 yes. on the button. Not oh, 50 52. on the button. Okay. So Kevin Adams had to make that decision. He decided to make the decision. Has seen enough of Tage in practice, off the ice, the way he presents himself, everything. Makes the decision an easy decision to sign him for fifty million. Tage Thompson right now is playing at an eleven and a half million dollar range. Okay, he's an eleven eleven and a half million dollar hockey player. He's not a seven million dollar hockey player, which is 
what his contract is going to be moving forward starting next year. So now all of a sudden you're in this situation and people like Dylan Cousins wants to go and sign a contract. How do you make more than, how do you make more than Tage Thompson? If Dylan Cousins ends the season with 25 goals and has 82 points, which is a point a game, 25 goals and a point a game, he's well, well over $7 million. He's an eight-plus million-dollar player. I'll go back to it. Go do you think, and do you think Dylan Cousins' uh, agent cares about Tage Thompson's contract? No. He doesn't. He's going to want to maximize the dollar figure of Tage Thompson. Because if Dylan Cousins is putting up 75 or 80 points a year and he's going out over the boards at some point as your last minute of the game up by a goal centerman, I know you said Tage has been taking that role right now and they, they that he's the guy for now, but is he? Is he going to be that guy, that lockdown guy? I'm not entirely sure. Well, I think that Tage right now has done a really nice job locking down games with a guy just uh, on his wing with um, Alex Tuck. And you have Dylan Cousins, who I think is going to be one of those centers that you can put on the ice to lock down games. The problem is he's just not playing with two players right now that will put him in a situation where it's just a no-brainer send out cousins line because you're you're dealing with two younger players right now that are that are learning, making mistakes, learning from those mistakes and 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 getting better. Uh but you know, Dylan Cousins is 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 producing points. He's a point a game hockey player right now in his third year in the league. You're signing Dylan Cousins for the next eight years. Okay. I mean, when you go when you go back and look at not Robert Dylan, Thomas, it's not Dylan Cousins' fault that Tage Thompson. Here I am, completely flipping the flipping the tone on this one. It's not Cousins' fault that Tage Thompson signed that contract when he did. No, like it's. It, I mean, Tage Thompson could not have turned that contract down. I thought it was too early to sign that contract. Clearly, I was wrong. And I'm fine with being wrong with that, especially with the production that we're seeing. But that's yep. not Dylan Cousins' fault. That's not Cousins' fault that Tage Thompson didn't take the the, the chance on himself, make the 1.6 this year and go into next year in RFA with maybe 115 points, and now he's looking at 10.5. That's not Cousins' fault. Yeah. It might be the Sabres' fault that Dylan Cousins in the offseason – I was reported to have asked for uh, a contract in the in the range of $6 million per year. And I think they said, go and earn it. So now they're on the flip side with that player. Now they're in the position with that player because now Dylan Cousins, who, by the way, if he finishes with 70 points this year, I would say that is absurd uh, because I never would have seen that coming. I would have said 50 points tops for this guy this year. And he'll get a four point five or five million dollar bridge deal for three years. Well, guess what? You might have a six foot three, two hundred pound, and he'll grow. He's going to grow a lot. Uh, centerman, second line centerman, putting up almost a point a game. Yeah. So, well, the, so the Sabers are going to have to pay for that. 
can can anyone begrudge Dylan Cousins if he for some reason or somehow magically becomes the highest paid player on the Sabres next year anyway? Because eventually it'll be Darlene or Owen Power. Okay. Well, Jeff Skinner, but that doesn't count because Jeff Skinner never should have had that contract, in my opinion. Okay. So I, I'm excluding that contract when I say that. Okay. I, I you know, I talk about the internal cap. I talk about, you know, how, how Kevin Adams is going to say, listen, how can I pay you more than Tage Thompson? Okay. Tage Thompson just had a hundred and some points and he had 50 some goals. And how am I supposed to pay you more than Tage Thompson? Tage just signed that contract. My thing with, with Dylan Cousins is he is a very young hockey player. He's 22 years old. He's played three years in this league and in his third year in of his contract, he possibly, we don't know yet, possibly might play himself into a point a game totals. If you're looking at 25 goals and 82 points, go back and look at Jordan Cairo from, from St. Louis cousins is go all- back and look at Robert Thomas from St. Louis. Both players went and signed for eight point. What? Eight, eight, $8.12 million a year. $8.12 million a year. That's, that's, Tage, that's Dylan Cousins all day. Okay. But what about Josh Norris from Ottawa? $8 million. 23 year old play. 23 years old. He signed for $7.95 million. What about Tim Stitzel? 8.2 something? 8.35. Okay. So if you have Dylan Cousins who comes in and finishes a season with 25 goals and and 80 points, he is going to be making $8 million a year. And he won't take a dime less because there's comparables to Dylan Cousins. There's not just one of them or two of them. There's like four or five that are in the category of Dylan Cousins. And he's, they're going to have to pay him because when a player, when you say no, well, that to would player, be a storyline, wouldn't it? If Dylan Cousins signs for more than Tage Thompson. Now, well, it, now it won't be Sabres, a storyline. It really well, won't be a storyline because Tage Thompson, you know, all it's hindsight, right? I mean, if Tage Thompson would have waited half a year, he'd be signed right now for probably ten and a half million dollars. But he didn't. He took the money and it was the right thing to do. And I don't blame him whatsoever for not for signing that contract to get seven point, you know, one, four million dollars a year, seven point four, one million dollars, fifty million dollars. Take that all day long. Okay. You can't say no to it all day long. After one year, you can't. But what, but the situation that you're going to deal with now is you're going to have these younger players, Dylan Cousins. You're going to have to deal with what what the hell what the hell is Rasmus Dahlin going to make? Seen the salary cap in the next four years? Salary cap supposed to go up ten million dollars. You don't think that Dahlin's agent knows that? He's a market setter. He's, well, he's going not to be signing this off season. You don't think he'll sign this off season? No. Cause he could, he could come back next year and put up 50 points only. I say only, and he's still going to sign for nine and a half million. So 
So he's he's going to lose less than what Thompson will lose because you know what I mean when I say that because he's already expected to to be that guy and he's already proving to be that guy. If if I were Darlene, I would not be signing this offseason. If you're about cashing in for the max, I would well, what's not. the max? What is the max for an NHL defenseman like Rasmus Dahlin in year 2023? He will make what Eric Carlson's making. 11 and a half. 11. Okay. Drew Doughty signed that deal for $11 million years ago. Eric Carlson signed that years ago. They set a bar. They set a new marketplace for defensemen. Okay. Rasmus Dahlin, because you you have to you, you have to go back to COVID, okay, and it hurt all of the industry. The money that was coming in, it hurt big time. But now it is back. It is right back to the numbers that they were, and the and the NHL is going to continue to flourish and push and make more money. When you make more money. Players like Rasmus Dahlin need to set new bars. And I wouldn't be surprised if Rasmus Dahlin made $12 million in his next contract. Well, if he wins the Norris this year, which he is a favorite for many, that will be the number. Because what do you think? What do you think Kale McCarr is going to make in his next deal? Well, Kale McCarr clearly right now is considered the number one defenseman in the world. It's undeniable if you were to give all 32 teams an opportunity to pick one defenseman, 32 teams would be taking Kale McCarr. It is undeniable. It is absolutely undeniable. Right? He so, has four more years after this year, McCarr, at nine, at nine million. It's crazy when you think about that though, right? Like, I mean, he should be making way more money than what he's making right now. But he chose to take a lot of money, $9 million a year. He chose to take that. Well, he took but, that after he took that after having 44 points in 44 games. He took that um is this this isn't the, is this the first year on that contract that he's on right now, or is that this is this? Hold on a sec. He signed this. This is the second year in that deal. So he was he was up for a contract when he signed that. Like extension. Joe Sackick, he sniffed that out right away. Give this guy money. Get him under the ten million dollar range. Give him a six year deal. Cross your fingers that he's going to be. Kale McCarr that everybody knows he is and this deal right now at nine million dollars is a steal for Kale McCarr it's a steal like when you have when you have players like Zach Wierenski uh, you have uh, Seth Jones um, you have uh, the defenseman out in uh, Edmonton big guy help me out here Seth jo or uh, Darnell Nurse Darnell Nurse, they're all making nine, nine point two five, nine point five. They're all making more than Kale McCarr. 
there will be a bar set and the and the setter could be a guy like Rasmus Dahlin. Well, it was Eric he, Carlson before, right? It was, he, was it, Eric Carlson. It but was then, Eric Carlson. It was Eric Carlson, but then COVID hit. And we've the last three years have been very, very difficult since 2019. The revenue's not there. The league has not been prosperous. It, it's been a really tough time, but now the league is back. Now they're going to forge forward and you're going to see some new contracts that are signed that are going to take players to completely different heights. Well, McKinnon, McKinnon, I think was a, is a good example of that. I mean, making more than Connor McDavid, you know, 12.6 starting next year. He's in the last year of his 6.3. I think, you know, that's a new bar set for forwards, you know, and it won't be the last because, you know, you got a guy named Austin Matthews, who's going to be a, 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 a UFA after next season. He'll be, so, he'll be, he'll, he'll set a new bar. He'll be, I guarantee he'll make 14 million. Yes. He'll, he's going he'll to make set $14 million AAV. No questions asked, but anyway, listen, man, I think it's interesting what's going on here in Buffalo. I'm excited for, for not just the fan base, but the, but the players as well on the team. Cause I don't think these kids have any idea what they're in for. If they can make the playoffs with this, with this team, I don't think they have any idea what they're going to see from the fans until they get there, you know? And I think they're starting to feel it after, after that, especially after that game against Minnesota. Um, not many uh, final thoughts here, but I don't know if you saw, but Shane Wright, Shane Wright was sent back to junior is waiting on a trade. Sounds like it's going to be the London Knights. If it hasn't already been done already. And then yeah. this is something we already expected to happen, but no surprises there. Um, Although it, you did say you're you were you thought they'd be bringing him back to the NHL. Yeah, I I would have thought that they would have done what they they've been doing up to this point through half the season is is just have him in the environment, have him working with the trainers to get stronger and in better shape, um, be around the team. But I think Seattle right now feels that they're very comfortable with how he's developed. Um, he now needs to work on his confidence. He now needs to get back to being the Shane, right? Um, that, that everybody knows he can be. And, um, you know, in the world junior, he, he looked good. He skates well, but he's, he is much, much, much better than, than what he showed at the world juniors. A lot and, of pressure uh, on guys like this. That yeah. go back to junior and then wait a big yeah. trade. Like there's going to be a massive. You know what though? He's going to be he's going to be a scud missile. I mean, he's going to be flying around, playing on. He'll he'll get traded to um, one of the top teams in the league. Okay, and he is going to shred the league points wise. He he's a point producer. He's a great player. Um, he's a very very smart hockey player. I hope he doesn't go to London. Because this is what London does, eh? I'm just uh, London Knights are they're such a hoax, man. It's it's a joke. They sit there and watch this shit. They're gonna sit there and go and trade all their draft picks, like a thousand draft picks. It's it's a joke. Because you know, here's the thing: London is it's one of the best buildings in in the OHL. They've got they've got like a small NHL rink, and they pack this place, and they make an absolute insane the hunter brothers are rolling in money okay 
And here's what happens. Every year they have any draft, okay? What happens is the London Knights pick players that are super elite from the United States. I'm talking the best players in the United States that have committed to go play D1 hockey someplace or players that are at the net or players that are at the NDP, the national development program. And what they do is they draft these kids and all of a sudden somehow they just seem to show up on London's doorstep. You got some stupid raging, uh, incredible hockey player that should, that should have been a first or second or third overall pick in the, in the OHL draft. And they pick them in the seventh round because they know that they're going to come to London eventually. And that's why London is always, always, always top. And it's just, it's, it's horseshit because no other team, all the other teams in the league don't have this ability to pick these elite players. Cause if you have, if you have Owen sound, go and pick one, somebody in the seventh round, no elite players going to Owen sound. They're not going to North Bay Battalion or the Sudbury Wolves or the Sioux Greyhounds, but they're going to Kitchener and they're, and they're going to London. And I think it's wrong because it just gives them an upper hand that is like tenfold. That's, over. that's been happening for years, but maybe it's just become years. more beneficial for franchises like London that build these powerhouses. They have an amazing arena. Don't I don't think build, anyone's they build no one's going to London back if they had the old fucking ice house. I'll tell you that. Listen, I'll, I'll give you a great example. I had a kid here play for the Buffalo Sabres. Okay. His name was Brody Crane. This kid was lights out. Like, I mean, super stud of a hockey player. He committed to Penn state at 14 years old. Okay. He was an absolute stud. Now, his draft year comes along. You got to understand, this guy's from London. His dad, his dad played for the London Knights. So this young man at 14 is D1 committed to Penn State. He told every single team in the league that I'm not going to the OHL. I'm going to Penn State. Every this this is a top five pick in the OHL. If he would have been, if he would have said yes, I'm going to the OHL, he would have been in the top five in the draft that year. London Knights picked him in the fourth round. They got a top five pick in the fourth round. Now, does that make sense? Or shit? Hey, Derek Roy should have gone second or third or fourth or fifth overall. In his OHL draft, okay? And I only know this because I ended up playing for Kitchener that year. In the first round of the OHL that year, Kitchener drafted a kid by the name of Steve Eminger, who was an unbelievable hockey player. Ends up being a first-round pick in the NHL, played five, 600 games in the league. He was a good player. Derek Roy was their second-round pick. Roy should have gone like fifth overall. But Roisey knew knew the GM and basically was like, I'm going to college. I'm going to go play. Co-. Meanwhile, I think we all know Roisey. He is not going to school. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and that's not for lack of intelligence. It's for lack of interest. That's what it is. He's a very smart guy. I don't want anyone to be mistaken here. 
But same thing. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to college. Kitchener drafts him in the second round. They get two top five picks in two rounds, and they win a Memorial Cup in a, a couple of years later. Yeah. You know, with, with these two guys as massive, pivotal pieces to the team. So, I mean, this shit's been happening forever. I mean, I know guys from the U.S. that leverage cash from some of these OHL teams. You know, teams would not pick him in the first round because he was asking for so much money. He's like, if you draft me, I am not coming unless you give me X amount of money to come and play there because I'm giving up a full D1 ride down here in the U.S. Yeah. And guess what? He went later in the first round, but eventually went to a team that would that brought a duffel bag of cash across the border and dropped it off at their American address. I mean, this shit happens all the time. It's been happening for years, but... I mean, it is an unfair advantage. It's an unfair advantage. If you if you it tell, it, Listen, if you tell it, a team, even going it, back to my draft in 1990 in the OHL, okay, I was I was ranked um, to go 16th overall in that in that draft. Okay, I got asked by the Owen Sound Platers that was the I don't I think they're called Owen Sound Attack right now but the Owen Sound Platers phoned my father and asked if I would go to Owen Sound if they chose me second overall my dad said no he's not going there and that's how hard some teams have in the OHL where even though they're they're picking in the top five of the OHL draft, they're not getting the top five kids because the top five kids will not go. They will not attend. Worst comes to worst, they will go and play D1 hockey someplace. But that's that's why it, I, I just I, I think it's wrong for those the, you know London Knights right now. I mean, they just have the pick of the litter of all the most elite players on the planet. And, uh, it's an unbelievable organization. Don't get me wrong, but it also is an unbelievable organization because they have such a long history of bringing the best kids in there. You know, Patrick Kane, <laughs> and I mean, Patrick Kane, did he not play for the national development program? Uh, I think he did. I'm going to look him up right now. I think he did at 16. And at 17, he showed up and played for the London Knights. Yeah, he played two years at the NTDP. And then he played how many years for, for London? One? One. One year, got drafted. He's playing for Chicago Blackhawks at 18 years old. That's what happens. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what pick uh, Patrick Kane would have been in the OHL draft. Like they would have had to have drafted him, but they would have taken him in the late rounds. But all of a sudden, they 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 pull these elite, super elite players in in very very late picks, where other teams will not take these players because they know that they'll never get them to play for their team. London Knights general manager Mark Hunter today announced that seventeen-year-old Patrick Kane has committed to play in the Ontario Hockey League for the Knights. Kane, 17 years old, was selected by the London Knights in the fifth round of the 2004 Ontario Hockey League draft. 
Now, this is a kid that would have went number one in the OHL draft. He only had 145 points as a rookie in the O. That's what I'm saying. Like he would have been, he would have been a number one overall pick in the OHL draft. And they London Knights, what they do. He went in the fifth round and he just happened to score 62 goals in 58 games that year. Incredible. Incredible. Holy shit. Oh, well, it's going to be nice to see Shane, Wright If he does go to London, it's, it's an incredible environment. It's a great team and a great building and, and a great ownership. I mean, the hunters do a fantastic job there and, uh, it'll fun. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, did you uh, see Connor play. Bedard's first game back in junior? Four goals, no. two what assists. Is, he's on pace for like uh, 212 points over. He's on pace for that if he had played the whole season, but he missed games with World Juniors. Four goals, two assists, first game back. It's 17 years old. I just can't even fathom how, how good he is. I just, he, he I mean... I thought I thought you know what Spit and Chicklets had a had a good conversation about him and you know RA made a point about him and where he'll end up. I think he's going to end up in Arizona too. New rank, Gary's team. I mean, we've talked about rigging drafts for years. I mean, the last was, thing I would want. It's probably the best thing. It's the best and worst. If he were to be chosen number one overall by Chicago Blackhawks, it would be. It would be a terrible day just for that franchise doesn't deserve it, deserve it after they, they don't, after, they don't deserve it. Well, they don't deserve it because they, I've never seen a tank job bigger it's in not my the entire tank job. Life. It's the, it's the Kyle beach situation, all yeah. that shit. They don't deserve it. I'm sorry, yeah. but if they win the draft lottery, do it again. But I like the thought. I, I do. I do agree. I think Arizona, Gary Batman. If there's one time Gary Bettman will absolutely, without question, have his fingers on the draft lottery, it'll be this year. Because yeah, for HRR, one- though, man, that would be through the roof. That would be the best thing for the league. The money that they would make with that young man playing in Chicago would be through the roof. I'm talking. No, I'm talking Arizona. I know that. I'm talking Chicago. Money wise, no, you can't. You can't go HRR. Wide money to- wise would send the league through the roof. Chicago is one of the top um earners. But you got to secure all the, the franchises. You have to secure all the franchises and giving Connor Bedard to the Arizona Coyotes would would secure that franchise, give them a reason to have a rank. Look at they gave McDavid to the Oilers. They gave McDavid to the Oilers and he they just had a new rank. They had the Rogers deal, TV deal over in Canada. Like uh if McDavid ended up in Buffalo or Arizona, that would have been very bad for Canadian hockey. Okay? Period. End of story. You want to yeah. get if you want to get the uh, Arizona Coyotes uh, off and running, then Connor Bedard needs to be chosen first overall by Arizona. That's number one. Okay, there's your staple of building that arena close to close to Scottsdale. How how far is the 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 plans to build is is very very close to Scottsdale, which where is all the money and where all the hockey fans are. Okay, and they will pack that place every single night if they if they build the building there, which is what they're supposed to do. And on top of that, Austin Matthews, go home, it, go listen, home. 
he ends up there. Uh, if if Connor Bedard goes there, Austin you Matthews got your will number be there. one and your number two center. I mean, you're you're talking organizational change in the biggest way. Um, it would be insane. I would love to see Austin Matthews just even if he does sign in Toronto. I don't hey. really care. I would just love him to make that organization sweat, take it to the line. I want to see what some of the offers are. I want to hear what teams are willing to pay Austin Matthews, which, which guys like that don't, they don't come available. You think Austin Matthews would want to make 15 million playing in Toronto, which they can't afford or 15 million playing back home in Arizona. I'll hang up and listen. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at The Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.